escapingthecave.com. Also on Facebook and at ETC Pod on Twitter. Escaping the cave. And I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. Zilla X-Pod. Todd Zilla X-Pod. Hi, Toddzilla Files, and welcome to Escaping the Cave, the Toddzilla X-Pod on the ChristopherMedia.net network, also over on Google Play. Get me on Stitcher, you can get me on Spotify. This iHeartRadio shit, too, if they ever get their crap together. You ever deal with them, Chris? Yeah, they take eight weeks to eight, approve. Eight weeks. Eight, eight weeks, because it takes eight weeks to hit enter. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get there. Uh, you can also hit me up on Twitter. Be fucking careful if you do. I promise. Uh, and uh, I still have the uh, Facebook uh, thing up there as well. I am joined by Chris of ChristopherMedia.net fame. Hi, Chris. Hi. And also How you by doing? also by Rich. Hello, Rich. Hello. I Thank have, you for having us on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. I uh, for you uh, new listeners. Uh, I did uh, what? What did I do about? Four or five months with you guys over on Unregimented last year. All right. Yeah. And uh, after my podcast uh, <laughs> dried up again. And I went over there with those guys and uh, set in with Chris Rich and uh, Aaron Mao, as I've started to call him. And uh, <laughs> got to the point where the negativity started to uh, sort of chew me up a little bit. And I quit on the air <laughs> at the end of a show. I was like, you know what? It isn't you. It's me. But I'm done. So I'd like to publicly apologize to you two for that. That was shitty. Sorry. Cool, man. Yeah. What is what is it that uh, was said? Uh, conflict makes good podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I, I guess we 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 didn't exploit the fact that you did that enough. I think in the uh, description, like <laughs> I I think we tried to be respectful a bit respectful about it. Oh, we should have probably been like in big capital letters in a huge. You know, annoying font. Todd quits on air this episode. Yeah. Just, I appreciate the consideration, but I would have totally done that to you. <laughs> <laughs> totally well, done that to you. But, I mean, that's that's why I like dealing with you because you always know where you stand. So. <laughs> this is true to a to a fault sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. I uh, like I said, I, I we've talked about this a number of times, and I uh, I always you know I think we I've gotten my point across pretty solidly as far as where I was coming from at that point, but. Yeah, it, no, absolutely. That was a shitty thing. I, I, I do want to say one thing, and I, I hope I'm not embarrassing you. Well, I hope a little bit I'm embarrassing you, but Chris has known me for 20 years. He knows I don't, I don't blow smoke at people's ass. Your last podcast is one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. Period, dude. You tapped a vein and damn near bled out on that motherfucker, yeah. and that took balls big enough to come in a dump truck. Yeah, you should have heard and what I cut. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, man, like I have recommended that to people where I don't even bother to recommend my own podcast to people. Cause you know what I'm saying? Like, I, yes, I, I do. Get tired of the, I get tired of the, Oh sure. I'll check it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'll get three more inches of meat magically in the middle of the night. It's not going to happen. So I understand, but I no, I've just wanted to say, man, that was on point. I've listened to it, it twice so far. And yeah, if you, if for whatever reason you're listening to this episode, come back and listen to this episode, stop this episode, go listen to the previous episode and then come, come back to this one afterwards. Cause I haven't listened to that one yet. I've heard two good testimonials on that one. That's looking forward to Saturday. You got to, when I fly, Todd, you got to quit. You got to quit binge listening, man. You got to keep up, you know, they, they kind of connect. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. That was, uh, I woke up and we're going to get to the, uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you understand it. But uh, what we're going to talk about, the three of us today, directly ties in to that podcast. And basically what happened to me last week with a piece of disinformation that, that jumped up and bit me. It jumped, I feel like, what is, what's the, the guy in uh, Forrest Gump? It jumped up and bit me. That's what I felt like last right. week. <laughs> that was Forrest himself. That was Bubba. When he got shot in the ass. Wasn't it was, I thought it was. How do you? I thought it was when he was carrying Bubba. Jumped up and bit me. All right, let's just jump into this. Uh, last week, for if you haven't listened to the uh, latest podcast, and Chris, you haven't, so I'll describe it to you. Uh, I've been on Twitter and on Facebook a lot. I made the mistake after two years of understanding what social media is, and two years ago, I came up with a social media disease. 
theme idea. It started with my writing, and I decided to uh, transfer it over to the podcast when I was doing my own last year before I joined you and quit. Uh, after two years, I knew better than to get reinvolved, immersed in Twitter and in Facebook. I took those applications off my phone. I never put them back on there for a reason because it's too goddamn easy to reach over and look. To reach over, click open, see if anybody said anything about something you posted or maybe there's some more new information in there, something that just can distract your friggin' brain, right? I knew better than that. But, but I have a new podcast that I have to share. I have to market. I have to spread. Right, so I got sick and tired of coming into this this the studio that I have, where my computer is, logging on, cutting and pasting all this crap into my Twitter feed or on Facebook. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm just gonna put the damn thing back on my phone. You know, I won't swim in it. I'll just sort of, you know, post when I need to post. It didn't work, and you know, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice that I was picking that freaking phone up every five minutes to open it up, not to post anything, but to see what was on there. Right, And what I didn't understand (laughs) until it was blatantly pointed out to me last week is that because I've been following the intellectual dark web people, those are pretty much, that was pretty much my only feed. Like I wasn't following any of these political people. I wasn't following Trump for Christ's sakes, God knows, or CNN or MSNBC, none of the real news people. But I was following these IDW guys. And I had noticed that it, it, this this plays in, and I didn't didn't explain this last week, but I, I noticed that the IDW guys are really they're 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 right adjacent. They're not in Camp Trump, and they're not a Republican organization, if you can call them an organization, but they're really close to it. Ninety percent, I dare say, 90, 80 to ninety percent of their material is criticizing the left. Social justice warriors and Democrats and liberals and blah 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 blah. And and they definitely seem to give a a pass to the right and Trump in particular quite a bit. Hard. Or at least or at least turned a willfully blind eye towards it. That's it right there. They don't discuss it. Or turned it. away from it should, I guess. Yeah. They don't discuss it. And I, I've come to the conclusion, going off tangent here a little bit, but I've come to the conclusion is because the reason they do that is because they need media access. You don't see those guys on, like, the Rachel Meadow program unless they're adversarial, right? If they want positive news coverage, the place you're going to find them, you see Ben Shapiro on Tucker Carlson quite frequently. Or you'll see him, I don't know if he's ever been on Hannity, but these, these guys typically get positive press coverage from the mainstream media, the corporate media, via conservative outlets. They need that. These guys, (sighs) we're going to be on here for a while, I think. These guys are are basically what I've I've termed as um, social media intellectual influencers. They're not any different in my head than these 19-year-old college chicks hawking Maybelline on their Instagram feed. Oh, I love this. You should try this. They're building a brand. Yeah, there's there's an audience and they're they're aiming at it. Exactly. And I had Kathy Young. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who she is, but she's kind of one of the the mid mid to upper level um, providers of IDW content. She's on Quillette quite a bit. And she wrote an article about, uh, I, I can't remember his name, I think it might have been James Lindsay. I hope I have that right. But she did an article criticizing him of exactly this thing because it was an article that was talking about whether or not the IDW is unfairly critical of the left while ignoring the right, right? And it turned into this, 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 this spat between the two of them going back and forth like something you would see from teenagers, like these are supposed to be the evolved ones, the free thinkers, the deep thinkers, right? And they, do, they just fell right into the fucking schoolyard going at each other. And Kathy lifted her skirt up a little bit because at the end of it, she had like this little snippy, snide comment about, oh, thanks, James. And then she took a screenshot of somebody who had donated to her Patreon account. This is brand building. Plain and simple. These people are their content providers. You both listen to the Media 101 podcast I've done, right? 
They're giving yeah. people what the hell they want. They're not selling advertising. I think Quillette maybe sells advertising. These guys maybe don't, but they have these direct donation sites set up. It's brand building. Give people what they want. Let them send you money. She, it, I cannot tell you how that pissed me off when she, when she did that. It's just like, okay, bitch, I'm done with you too. <laughs> and I went through, and that, that was about the point that I started just getting rid of all these guys out of my Twitter feed. Didn't matter, because I'd been basking in stuff like the transgender sports outrage. And um, in this case, about how white people hate white people, how left, like extreme leftists hate white people. I mean, they're really big on that. You can find something on there every minute, almost of every day, if, you, if you're following the IDW folks on Twitter. Reverse racism, however you want to phrase it, which I think is, it, it is a thing. But if you're basking in it constantly, constantly getting hit with it. I noticed in me, and I don't think I'm really all that special in this regard, you're, you're, what I've called the fever just continues to rise. You get a little more angry every single time you read something. Right? Just a little bit more yeah. and a little bit more and a little bit more. We've all been there. I know all three of us have been there at some point. I went through it probably about a few days before you did. Like, I... I got rid of my personal Twitter account last year. My Facebook account now just, I can count the number of times I post a year on it. I, I've scaled back social media use, but every once in a while, more likely when I'm on the road, I'll, I'll just, I'll read the unregimented Twitter feed. And every now and then I get, I get suckered back into doing that shit. And it happened to me last, it happened to me two weeks ago because I saw a piece of information and there's just something in my brain that's like, you, you don't want to let it slide because it's factually incorrect. And then the, the behaviors like you're talking about start, you know, not even posting, just checking to see if anybody replied or said anything. And it's like, I could feel myself getting more agitated. Yeah. It's a real fucking thing, man. It's well, that's how come I, it's how come I adopted the, the way of using Facebook that I have. I refuse to engage with friends in any political debate, discourse, argument. Because there's so many things that can, one online, that can happen that won't happen if you're having a discussion face to face. And I tell people who, you know, I've, I've banned people and blocked people because they just won't stop. They keep hammering away, hammering away. And I'm like, look, stop. If you want to discuss this, you're my friend. Everyone on my Facebook, and that's my Facebook friend, I, I either have met in person, I'm family with, or I know from online for, you know, years and years now. I'll, I'll give you my phone number. <laughs> we can call and talk about it, but I'm not going to have this debate online because you, you lose nuance. You can't hear the inflection in the person's voice. No context whatsoever. It's easier to demonize someone when you're not talking to them or sitting, looking at them, having a conversation. When you read it, you're assigning the emotion to it. You're not getting exactly. you know, what, what they mean. It's it's what it's what's going on in your head. The, the conversation is, is it's now going on in your head, and you're assigning the emotion to what they're saying to you. And it could be completely innocuous on their end, but you know you could take it completely the wrong way because you're reading it. And yeah, what, what Rich is talking about happens. Yeah, you know what I've equated this to. I had a good conversation with my friend uh, Matt over the weekend. After all this happened. I'd shut down. I deactivated my Facebook account completely. I have a spare one that I use to post to the uh, ETC page on Facebook, but it has no friends in it. I'm the only friend in there. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but we were talking about this this weekend, and I equated it, obviously not an original idea, but I equated this to road rage. It's the same feeling. It's the same sense, like instantaneously just enraged about something. And I think it has, and I'm not the only one, I, I actually went and I Googled this uh, yesterday, and I found a couple of different studies, one done by Harvard, saying that the, the, the psychology of online internet rage is almost identical to road rage, because you're isolated. On the road, you're in a you know, two or $3,000 piece of steel traveling 70 miles an hour down the road. You feel safe in there. You feel bigger than you really fucking are. Right, And the person in the other car 
isn't really a human being. It's just another fucking driver on the road. Yep, and you can say whatever you want because nobody can hear you. Until you pull off to the side of the road, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when things go wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, that's exactly it. You can flip them off. What are you going to do? You're going to jump out at 70 miles an hour and beat my ass? You know, and that's that I think is a a huge connection to make because let's say you've been driving down the expressway, say you're on, I don't know, 275 or something, rush hour, right? And you're annoyed anyway. You've been cut off a few times already. You've got idiots around you that don't know how to drive. They're selfish, however you want to look at it. And all of a sudden, some guy almost clips your bumper. You're already agitated. How are you going to react to that? That's the, that's the direct road rage equivalent of what I'm talking about with, with what happened to me, I think, on the IDW, that your fever is getting raised just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And then it comes to a point where you just are pushed over the top and you are raging id, just ready mm-hmm. to just, just go nuts on somebody, right? Yeah, and, and you don't even realize you're wasting, it, it's, you're, you're wasting that anger. You are wasting all that time and energy on someone that, just going to be in your life for mere seconds. And you can't win. I mean, this person isn't going to say, well, gee, now that you put it so angrily and succinctly, gosh yeah. darn it, you're right. It's not. It's like the guy in the car in the Pinto that cuts you off where you're driving your, you know, your monster truck. It's not like he's going to say, oops, sorry. Well, sometimes they do, but not typically, <laughs> especially after you flipped them off, right? So anyway, that's 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 sort of been my my, uh, my take on this as far as um, trying to to create another metaphor that maybe people haven't really thought of too much. And the only way to get rid of road rage, I mean, if you're that pissed off and you're driving down 275, pull the fuck off, go to Starbucks, maybe go to McDonald's and grab a cheeseburger and calm the fuck down. Wait until the traffic dies. Either way, get off the fucking super highway before you run somebody off the road or somebody else responds and runs you off the road. And I think that the the direct equivalent to that is having that application on your phone and being constantly bombarded with it all the fucking time. You don't realize half the time you're picking your phone up and checking it. You don't think about it. You just reach and grab it. What's that doing to people? Yeah. What's that doing to how we interact with one another, how we see each other? I mean, come on, you, you know, we've all been in the situation with either our wife, girlfriend, even our own friends where we've all been in the room, not saying shit to each other. Cause we're all staring down at a screen. Yeah. Yeah. We've all had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, anyone who knows me personally knows that I'm, I, I'm not afraid to start a conversation with damn near anyone. <clears throat> and it, you know, it, sometimes at work that, you know, when we're having a, a you know, a just downtime. Everybody is, Chris, just like you said, staring at their phone. And I've, because no one will engage in a conversation, you know, I, I, I'll say something to somebody, I get monosyllabic answers and grunts back. I now do the same thing because if not, I'm just sitting there staring at a bunch of people, you know, hunched over with the fucking phone, you know, finger fucking their phone. Right. That's why I don't one. That's why I don't keep Twitter on my phone. Uh, Facebook is, is mostly, you know, I, I try not to get into to the comment sections of certain articles and whatever while on my phone. You know what I'm saying? Because I've I've had it happen. I've been at work having an absolutely fine day, or been out, you know, at a buddy's house or something. Everything's going fine. I'll see something, and it'll like you said, it'll light that spark, and then it just starts. You know, I start seething about it, and I'm like, this fucking asshole. Right. And, I, and, I, and I work myself up to the point where I'm like, I got to say something. No, I don't have to say shit. Correct. That's the point. You no. know? I mean, I've been picked up from the airport by my wife, but she's like, what the fuck is your problem? Because I've been drinking whiskey for three hours and reading social media. <laughs> <laughs> Get off the plane. I'm like, fuck the world. Fuck everybody. You know, like it does something to you. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I, I, I did this episode last last year. And, you know, I, my uh, podcast account gives me like 30-day stats, right? Gives me like the top podcasts over the last 30 days. But this one that I did last year called uh, Cyberspace Monkeys was about just that. We don't know what the fuck this is doing to us. And it's always right at or near the top three or four every month. 
People are interested in this. I, this isn't something that is just us babbling about. You know, we're not the only ones that see this. We're not the only ones that sense it. There's been studies that have been done. I saw another one that uh, my girlfriend sent this week when she figured out we were going to talk about this. And it's like these studies on teenagers about depression, anxiety, suicide attempts, and how it's correlated to time spent on a phone. Because you don't, you're not getting any human contact. We're social creatures. We've evolved to interact in person, to have conversations, human touch. So what is it, like you were saying a minute ago, Rich, when you're just hunched over your phone, uh, uh, click, click, click. what is that doing to people psychologically? I'm just starting to wonder if the, the I, I used to think it was because of the, the, the rise in violence in, in TV and movies and stuff, but I'm starting to wonder if the rise in all of these mass shootings is because of this stuff. A lot of people think so. I we're could, to the point now, one just happened. We didn't even talk about it in the last unregimented. That's where we are now. They happen so frequently. We didn't even address it. Right. It's become commonplace. It's normal now. That's the new normal. People shooting each other, killing 12 people at a time. Well, know, I think you brought up a good point, Todd, in the fact that not only are we, instead of using social media to come together, it's actually dividing us up and isolating us from other people. But if I've noticed this in the last, especially probably about 10 years, um, when you said like, and, and Chris, I think you, you might've actually said it, uh, humans require social, you know, socialization con contact. And there was an article a buddy of mine posted about how in like in the last 10 years, especially with of parents with, with little kids, the new thing is to, to not let anyone touch your kid. Like even family members, like, no, no, you don't hug my kid. My kid, if he wants to hug you, will come up and hug you. You don't touch him whatsoever. You ha- he, he has to learn. And it's like just basic, like, you know what I'm saying? Affection that you would show for family members is being regulated to the point where we, you know, no, no, you have to have absolute you know, permission and consent from a five-year-old to touch him. Anyone who's ever raised a kid or been around people raising kids uh, there's sometimes kids do stuff that you have to physically remove them from a situation to keep them from hurting themselves. You don't have time to sit there and go, do I have consent to touch you and get you away from the hot stove, Bobby? You know, but I mean, this is the, the, the madness of this mindset of just, just isolating ourselves from other people. And I, I, maybe I'm connecting dots that shouldn't be connected. I think it really is all connected. And the more I look at social media, the more I turn into just, I, I find no redeeming quality in it, man. They, it's an, it's an, it, it's addictive. It divides us. I mean, you say it all the time, Todd, you say you can't have unity via division and social media is just that it is a way for people to group up and not only find other like-minded people, which if that was all that was going on, that would be fine. It's a way to exclude other people. Well, beyond that, even it's a way to exclude and then attack them. Yes, yes, form a mob. Yeah, without even leaving your couch. I yeah, believe, it, as you said in one of your podcasts, Todd. Yeah, it reminds me of like those those monkey videos you find on YouTube, like Jane Goodall. You know, where you've got this little tribe, this little group of four or five little monkeys that'll run around and attack the neighbor, like an interloper or some other little tiny group of monkeys from the neighboring tribe. It's it's something in the DNA. It's I I think. That this, you know, I've said it on, I said it on another podcast that Twitter to me just reminds me of the unleashed, uncivilized, undomesticated simian id. And you can do it. And I think that's a very good comparison. You can do it with no fucking accountability. It's all, it's all verbal, I guess, but nobody's going to sit there and punch you in the nose. Nobody's going to sit there and hit you back. There's no physical threat, so therefore there's no accountability. There's no first-person accountability, immediate accountability for how you behave, and that's given people permission to, I don't know, I, I don't know how to characterize it, really. Savage Conversation without tact or decorum. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not separated. I'm not putting myself up on, on, on some fucking pedestal here. I'm not preaching from the pulpit. I've done this. I, I still do it. I, can, I have to catch myself. I have to physically catch myself and, and stifle 
this habit that I've developed over the last 10 years. I'm really good at this. I said in another cast that, you know, it would be real easy if I was adult, if I didn't have a vocabulary and I wasn't articulate. It'd be real easy to get back out because I didn't have, I don't have a, sh- a sharp stick to poke people with, right? But I do. So it's hard for me to like, you know, just yank back and say, okay, I understand what this is. It does something. It's something that's primal. It's something that we don't have a clear concept of what this technology is doing to us yet. And I'm afraid that when we do figure it out, it's, I don't know if it's going to be too late or not, but the damage done is going to be huge. Yeah, it's, I was trying to explain this on Unregimented a couple weeks ago. There was a, what was the story, Rich? It was um, something about the government needs to break up Facebook or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and Zuckerberg was basically like, I'd rather you do that than me do it. Because I, he doesn't want to be seen as stifling speech. Rather, you know. And I was just trying to explain to Aaron, like, we are in, like, you know, like, like the, the, the whole point of the story is trying to paint, you know, Zuckerberg as somebody who's getting too powerful. And I'm of the, the mindset here. It's 1910, and we, and these are the first cars. All right, that that's how young this, this thing is. All right, general public's only had access to Facebook for 11 years. All right, Twitter has only existed since 2006. We haven't even begun to learn about what this is doing to us. Quite honestly, yeah, like we are in the infancy of this medium. Well, I'm afraid it's moving into adolescence. Uh, I think infancy was maybe five or six years ago. You know, if you want to use the infant analogy that it's running through the kitchen, opening drawers and pulling out knives, not knowing what the knives do. This is, it's getting to the point now where I'm afraid that it's the cantankerous adolescent that knows exactly what the knives do, but don't give, it doesn't give a shit. Does that make sense? You know, where it's, 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 it's evolved and developed enough to where it's not innocent little exploration anymore. It's evolved, and it, it, I yeah, I agree with you. But it's also evolving at a breakneck pace compared to even twenty years ago. With oh my God, yeah. you know, uh, chat like chat rooms or, or or internet forums. You know, that used to be where if you wanted to go and have a flame war, you wanted to troll, you had to go. And a lot of people knew, oh well, if you go to this forum or this bulletin board, it's just. It's it's online Thunderdome, so I don't go there. Well, now with with social media, everybody, my fucking grandmother, had a Facebook page. You know what I'm saying? And and you know, you can attack a ton of people compared to just people who came there specifically for that and stir the pot and never have to lick the spoon. Right. And I mean, I don't know that the good is going to outweigh the bad of social media. Ever. Oh, I don't because, have any question it's not. I don't think there's any possibility the good's going to outweigh the bad with this. And, I, you know, and, and it's, it's even turned into a snobby thing. Like, well, oh, you're on Facebook? I, I haven't done Facebook in two years. I do Twitter or I do Snapchat or I do Instagram or whatever the fuck. And it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. It's the new I'm, the, I'm a vegan. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, it's the new, I don't watch TV. I, yeah, yeah, I don't watch TV. I only listen to I, indie music. It, it, it's like, God, you know, like, just grow up. Seriously. It, it, is, it is maddening, and it is scary how easy it is to get duped. I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, you know, if, if you have someone who shares something who, you know, you trust because like the majority of the time they're on point. They, you know, they, they do their own fact checking and you don't fact check it and you run with it. Next thing you know, you're out there sharing bullshit, getting people worked up over nonsense. And I, you know, that's why I, that's why I stopped sharing a lot of political stuff because I, I started looking into the sources of where a lot of my friends from all over the political spectrum, including the, the lunatic fringe where shit where you know, where these, articles were coming from half these websites look like something someone made in high school in 1999 for a, like a windows project or something. <laughs> Got a GeoCities address. Yeah. And I'm like, who the hell, how do you even look at this and take this as a legit source of information? 
because they saw it on the internet. Well, that's the thing, and, and this this all comes back to the, the the data overload thing that I was talking about before. You know, you kind of you kind of move down that that avenue a little bit there, Rich. And and people, I don't think there is a distinction to be made of people that don't know any better, right, or people that do know better but have given the fuck up. It's so easy. You're right. I mean, this. Let me let me go back and let me rewind here because you you just you you touched on something I really want to explore a little bit more, Rich. Uh, I don't know. I know we talked before the show, and I don't know how far I got into what happened to me last week. But I, I grabbed this thing from Twitter, put it on Facebook, added some quote unquote commentary to people that weren't even involved in this. They, these were not people. The people left in my Facebook page at that point were nobody that had anything to do with any of this shit. But it became a reflex. It's something that I had to just shit out, right? So I put it up there, said something, and then it just started this avalanche of shit because I posted something down the line of, I got into it with Matt, who sometimes is a bit of an instigator with me sometimes. He's usually pretty good about it, but sometimes he just gets me going. And we started having an exchange, and I posted something in there about uh, how I'm getting sick and tired of recycled and inseminated opinions. In other words, people just reciting something they read or doctrine or quoting an opinion that has been just basically spooged into their skull by their agenda of choice. I've talked about all this on, on the pod before. And I had a guy chime in, and this is really, I think, what set me off here. Because he chimed in and he's like, glass houses. That's all he said. It was like this drive-by shit basically calling me a hypocrite, saying that I'm regurgitating doctrine. And I was done at that point. I mean, it's like, fuck all of this. I am done with you. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I want nothing else to do with any of you. You know, but especially him. <laughs> right? And then, and then my buddy came in and he's like, did you check Snopes here? Look at this. It's not even real. It's disinformation. The, the disinformation was a real picture. But it was created, some people think by Milo or somebody affiliated with Milo, but it was created to make Antifa look bad. The picture was basically saying that if you date white people, you're bad and you're going to be punished. I'll tell those people the same thing I tell all the, the people who rage against Trump. You don't need to give, don't make themselves look bad. You don't need to make shit up. That's the you know, thing. You don't need to make shit up with Trump. He'll, he'll make himself look bad on his own, and Antifa will make themselves look like idiots all on their own. You don't need to make shit up. It's not about that, though. And this is what dawned on me last week. The, the bigger lesson in all this is, you know, I made a mistake. I fucked up. I should have checked it. I was, I was, but I w my brain went haywire because I had been ingesting this stuff for probably two to three weeks on a regular basis. I was primed not to think. I was primed to only react an attack. I was in fight mode at that point. The rational mind, I consider myself pretty fucking rational. <laughs> we all do, but I, I, I do. And it was gone. It, it, there was no rational synaptic activity going out of my brain. I was a fucking ape at that point. He showed it to me. I immediately shut everything down and it took me a couple of days to really think about this and to understand exactly what had happened to me. This isn't secondhand information. This is something that I read in a book or something that I, you know, found on a website. This happened to me. As somebody who's hyper aware of disinformation, propaganda, all this stuff. And it hit me for fuck's sakes. How it, what is happening to people who are not aware of what's going on? How are they, how do they even have a prayer of surviving this unaffected? And what it was, I'm going to say this again, what it was was going back to being hit and hit and hit and hit with these pieces of propaganda, pieces of selective information, unbalanced information, one-sided information, talking about how leftists hate whites. And then this thing, this piece of disinformation, was dropped in. I, I, I talked about it in the, in the podcast on Friday where you're like taking just a little scoop of jet fuel, a little scoop of jet fuel for like three weeks, right? And pretty soon you've got a nice full pot. And when somebody drops that disinformation detonator into it, it explodes. That is exactly what it felt like. So let's expand that out. What is happening to people in general now? 
that do not have any idea that the stuff that they're ingesting, their happy facts, their propaganda or agenda of choice, who is demonizing either Trump voters or demonizing Antifa, demonizing liberals, pick one. I don't care. It doesn't matter. What is that doing to people? And how does that... Let me let me finish this up because the, the one question, the one thing that I really want to drive home is how easy are these people to manipulate at that point? All you have to do is keep raising the fever, keep raising the fever a little bit, and then keep dropping these potential detonators on them, and all of a sudden they're at each other's throats. You talk about next year, the 2020 election, you talk about 2016. I mean, that's terrifying. If people understand this psychology, they have to. I think they understand it better than I do. I only understand it because it happened to me. But if people know how to do that, you're at their mercy if you're not aware of it. And sometimes you're at their mercy even if you are, as I showed last week. So what does that do? What does that say? We're fucked. Because <laughs> quite honestly, what you just described sounds like we're all being unconsciously reprogrammed. Yes. Provoked. Antagonized. Yeah. I, it, it's, it, it's not only that, but I've noticed that people will, it, it, depending on their ideological bent, they will turn into just the, the, the world's greatest researchers to prove someone who posted something they don't agree with wrong, but they won't research anything they post. Right. Anything that they agree with, anything that, that they post that they feel is is valid, they don't want to know if it's bullshit or if it's real. And that's the scary part is it's a will it's it's a willful ignorance that that we're sliding into. And that's like I said, that's another reason that I've I've I had to pump the brakes and go, I'm not sharing any more of this political shit because I found it happening to myself. Yeah. And and when you find when you find yourself wallowing in hypocrisy, when hypocrisy is one of the things that drives me absolutely nuts about day to day life and with the human race, I I just I couldn't do it anymore because yeah. I I started I started to hate myself. Yeah, like well, I actually started to go, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why am I turning into what I hate? You got to understand something though that we're all hypocrites. We are on some to level an now on some level each and every one of us. I mean, this is this sending back to Jonathan Haidt because there is no way that a simple human brain with questionable talents of perception and rationalizing, a rational mind, very limited, can get everything right. On some level, we're all going to have inconsistencies and we're not going to see them. And some people pay more attention when, once you're aware of that. And once you you understand that and that you're susceptible to it, then you start paying attention to it. That's where you are, I think. That you're 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 hyper aware of that. So when you see it in yourself, it bothers you, right? But well, I, I would I try to when I see that in myself, correct my behavior, right? To where you know you're going to have you're absolutely right. You're going to have moments where you just you're being a you're being a hypocrite or you're or you're exhibiting behavior that you find reprehensible in other people. Right. Usually in my experience, the behavior that most people hate the most in other people, they find in themselves. Reflecting. It might be cliche to say that, but cliches are there for a reason because there's, you know, there's some grains of truth in there. Yeah. I, that's one of the reasons I stepped away from Facebook because I actually went and read sober some of the stuff I had posted <laughs> and I was embarrassed by it. I was like, oh, I'm doing it too. Some of the best... I mean, the best experiences that I've had on Facebook in the last six months are the memories that are chucked back at me from like 2013. Like when I was really hardcore into the atheist stuff and some of the stuff that I was posting when it comes up, Oh, look what you posted six years ago. I'm like, you cunt. Thank you for that <laughs> Zuckerberg. You ass. Thank you for the reminder though. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, what what was I? <laughs> you know what I mean. But that that that's that's been one of the the really cool. It's like you were saying. It's like you you posted something when you're drunk or intoxicated on something, and then you see it with at least semi sober eyes and like yeah, uh, get this away from me. 
Yeah, making yourself cringe. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's a there's a clear line in when Facebook shows me memories where it, it's you can almost trace it back to like a month period where the political and argumentative posting by me stopped. And I just said, fuck it. I'm here to have a good time. I'm not here to get into arguments. So I'm going to post a shit that amuses me. And if other people find it amusing, good. If no one finds it amusing, whatever. I got to chuckle out of it. And I started treating Facebook. Like you can see clearly where I started treating Facebook as a playground instead of trying to act like it's some sort of university that I can educate people. Yes. You know, because how pretentious of me and presumptuous of me that I need to, I need to correct people's thinking, you know, no, that's, that's not what Facebook's for because no one changes their mind. (laughs) And if you do change your mind, you're a flip flopper. You're a spineless, wishy washy pussy. We won. I won because that's what it ultimately is about. It is, a win at all costs, scorch earth way of looking at it. That that's not going to lead us down a road that we want to go because that's not how people in the real world deal with each other. If they did, there'd be a lot more dead people laying in the streets. And what scares me is when I do see people start to carry this mindset and yeah, I'm going to fucking get off my lawn. I'm 42. I'm irrelevant. I understand all that. But when I see younger people, who do take that online mindset and bring it to the real world. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. You're a push in the face. That's what I think when I see that shit, someone will hit you. And I'm going to go to the real world. I'm going to encourage it. Hit him again. Teach this child. You know, and, and, Lay your hands on this motherfucker. Do it. Do it. Break that bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Invade their safe space. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's, 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 it's really hard because, you know, I have been a member of, you know, years ago, I was a member of a musicians forum that we did a lot of cool things when we put our mind to it. We released, you know, I mean, there was like half a million members on this forum and we released like five, six independent CDs of, of, you know, our music basically put it up for sale, like on CD baby and recouped the cost. It, it was something productive. We were doing something productive with, 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 with the format. And, what productive happens on Facebook or, or other forms of social media once a year, when people's birthday comes around, they can pick a, a charity for you to donate and you know, they think they've done something. They, they put a, they put a hashtag on, on Twitter and they think that they're some sort of activist. I mean, what, what, what good comes of that? If you're a charity, try to raise money to pay your CEO quite a bit. To me, that's, that's almost like the people who don't go to church, but twice a year. Right. And they think that that's somehow going to, you know, okay, well, I go on Easter and I go on, on Christmas so I can act a fucking fool the rest of the year. Right. doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're paying their guilty conscience to go away because, hey, I said donate to, you know, three-legged dogs or some shit and like then, that. And then like, advertise the shit. At least people that go to church, they're not putting up a billboard saying, hey, I went to church today. You know, the, the whole thing that if, if you do a good deed, does it really happen if nobody saw you do it or heard about it? And, and I can tell you, it, the ego does, that starts fucking with you, man. Because, oh, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've done some things and I was like, I've never told anybody about them. I mean, when I'm, I'm not talking crazy, like evil shit. I'm just talking like helping people or donating to something. Yeah. And that, that in the back of my mind, that ego Starts going. Look what I you did. You should know about yeah. what I did. I'll be an example. I've heard that a million times. Oh, you're, you're, you're providing an example. To, shut up. No. No, you're not. You want people to see no. how awesome you are. That's where the core Correct. of this lies. Stop it. it, it, it it's, it's vanity. It, instead of social media, it ought to be called vanity media. Look what I did. I'm charitable today. Exactly. That's why when I start hearing that little ego, I start calling my buddies and I'm like, I need like 500 milligrams of edibles. I need to destroy my ego right now. I need, I need, I need to rip myself down to my bare bones and then just and if to the frame and rebuild here because six, something's wrong. Six grams of mushroom, bitch. Please bring it. Bring it. <laughs> I will, I will, I will, I will ingest them into my veins. Just liquefy them. Give me an IV. I'm fucking there. Don't get six grams. I'd try it. You'll have an awesome time. I'll tell you I that. believe that's what Bill Hicks called a heroic dose. Yeah. <laughs> heroic dose. Yeah. This is, yeah, heroic dose. This is going to be an immortal dose. 
Bears. I can't find them, by the way. I moved back here. Ever since I left Chicago, I can't find them. I need them. Well, just as an aside, real quick, apparently that's the next thing on the docket to be legalized because, what, California and, and Denver? Yeah. They have, have decriminalized them? Yeah. Barely in Denver, but it did pass, apparently. You saw that thing, uh, AOC, the thing I threw up today, that she's <laughs> – I, I, I've given her a lot of credit, and the only reason I'm bringing this up, it is off topic, but the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I've given her a lot of shit on this podcast. <laughs> Alexandria, occasional cortex, stuff like that. But she has, I think, I don't know if she sponsored it or if she co-sponsored it, but she's apparently gaining some, I don't know how much, but limited bipartisan support to take the shackles off research into psychedelics as far as mental health goes. This is a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Let people research it, put that shit in the stores, and let Pfizer go fuck itself. Yeah, and the notorious AOC, you know, every once in a while she has her moments. This is one of the things that on Unregimented we kind of run into sometimes. Uh, I think one of our hosts uh, doesn't understand that just because I'm goofing on somebody doesn't mean that I'm disagreeing with them necessarily. And I mean, you know, it's like, you know, she does leave herself open with some of the shit she says. And it's like, you know, it you should you should kind of expect to be called on it. She shows she's 29 a lot. That's one of the things that bothers me is when people go, well, you should stop attacking her for her age. But yet you'll attack people because, well, they're old. They don't know what they're, you know, they're, they're irrelevant. Right. Stop attacking them for their age. Right. How about right. that? You're you know, 45 it, and you're white. You don't matter it, anymore. It, you know, I don't know if this is born out of the social media generation because Gen Z is, the, the first the first wave of Gen Z, the generation after the millennials, are, have now started to graduate college. And these are people who've grown up their entire lives with social media of, or, or in one form or another. But it, it seems like when we were younger, obviously to an extent, you know, older people, when you're a teenager, whatever, you know everything. But then when you start hitting like mid-20s, late-20s, you start to realize, oh, wait a minute. These people have been around and seen some shit. Even if I don't agree with them, they've got wisdom and insight into life because they've lived it. I haven't. So that's Maybe. one of the hallmarks of getting older, for, at least for me, was the moment I realized, oh, man, I've been walking <laughs> around for almost three decades thinking I know everything. I don't know dick. Oh, that's what my dad's been talking about. And it just seems like now it's it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's dismissed. Oh, whatever, you're old. You're not relevant, and you don't bring anything to the table that we can use because we live in the now, and you're still living in, you know. I, it's amazing when I deal with younger people, and they think that, like, because I'm 40, that somehow I was around during the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that, what? That Comic Core math. This is a summer of love, like, was it great? <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you think I was watching, like, Mr. Ed and Dobie Gillis in first run? No. I'm not, how fucking old do you think I am? I was I'm jerking 40. off to June Cleaver, goddammit. What are you talking about? Well, that was Nick at Night reruns. I'm talking about first run, you know. I, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 think, I think that's another thing that social media and just online in general has done. And I think you've talked about this before on, on your show, Todd, is it's cut our attention spans so much that if it's not instantaneous, we can't deal with it. Right. Like I have found myself, and I know you've talked about this. I found myself sitting down to read a book now. And it's like, unless it grips me right off the bat, or I'm very interested in the subject matter, I can do maybe 10 pages and I put it down. I used yeah. to sit and read until I used to start a book and finish a book the same day. Well, that shit is treatable. Actually, that's coming up, not today, but that's going to be one of the, the hallmark uh, chunks, probably two or three episodes, actually, when I start getting into the, the physical aspect of this. It's, it's not just social media. This is an internet thing. And um, Nicholas Carr, that guy that I always talk about, his book, The Shallows, which is actually, it's kind of old. It's like seven or eight years old, uh, but it's still, it, it's groundbreaking shit when discussing the, uh, the physical effects the cognitive effects and how your brain sort of rewires itself, you know, that, that uh, neuroplasticity thing, how you, you actually adjust how you think and how you comprehend and how you, just everything, right? And the reason he started writing that book, the idea that, that, that triggered him actually starting to research this stuff is this guy's 
like highly educated. He's used to reading every single day for a long time, right? I don't know if he's got a master's degree or what he's got. I don't know what his, his bona fides are, or bona fides or however you say it. But he couldn't read a book. He was online writing, doing all sorts of stuff so often that he himself lost the capacity to get into a book. Yep, I can I can totally I go through it with a different I cannot concentrate on more than one thing if I want to absorb it. Like if I'm listening to a podcast and I'm trying to read something, if I want to absorb either one, I have to stop. I have to do one at a time. Multitasking is a myth. You can't do anything yeah. effectively. You can't do either one effectively and really good. You're going to do both things mediocrely. Yeah. Like I said, I said, if I want to do absorb it, now I can, yeah, I can half-ass listen and read both of them. But like I said, if I want to absorb the information, sorry, maybe I'm simple. Yeah, if, one at a time. Yeah, if I were to sit down, right, and say, Rich gave you a comic book to read, and I gave you a podcast of mine to listen to, and you sat there and sat in half hour, twenty minutes, half hour, and did both, and both Rich and I were to ask, actually quiz you on what was in the podcast and what was in the the comic book. Good luck. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm tempted to really jump into this because uh, that that applies to, it, it's horizontal thinking as opposed to vertical thinking, right? And it, it applies to how we use the internet. How often do you go online, open your browser and have 15 tabs open up and you're clicking, 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 going from one to one to one to one to one instead of sticking on one and finishing what is actually on that page? If I'm on Pornhub, 15 is a minimum. Well, yeah, that, that's a little different. <laughs> See, well, I, figure, I, mean, but... I figure you got to have a tab per finger, right? And I <laughs> definitely require 10. I'm just saying, ladies, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but no, that's that's the thing. And he, he gets into this because it, 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 it people think that it doesn't matter, that it's just being, you know, impatient or something. But it, it does something to your mind. It affects how you can pay attention. You are rewiring your fucking brain. Indeed you are rewiring the the brain, man. That book, once again, is called uh, The Shallows by Nicholas Carr. You're going to be hearing a lot about it. I've already talked a lot about it in past episodes. I'm going to probably be featuring that in at least two full ones by itself. It's important stuff. Neuroplasticity. And there is a solution to this. Digital detox. Getting your screens away from you. Cutting the data flow. Concentrating. Learning to concentrate again, it does work. It's not even that hard. It just takes some vigilance. I encourage you to check that book out if you get a chance. It's the Escape in the Cave podcast on the ChristopherMedia.net network. I'm also on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as at ETC Pod on Twitter. Got a Facebook page, and of course, my website is up there as well, uh, escapingthecave.com. This conversation with Chris and Rich went on for about three and a half hours tonight. It's expansive. We get on to some other things. Some politics, a little bit of politics, the general state of it. So I hope you tune into the next one. Till next time, so long.